Hello and welcome to the Agiostos. My name is Bill Dijkstra. Today is December 6th, and we are commemorating St. Nicholas of Mira. So today I'll be talking with Sean Wilson. If you remember back to the episode on St. Nestor the Chronicler, I spoke with him about the life of St. Nestor and some of his writings. Today we'll be talking about a work we have both read called The Life of St. Nicholas. Now, this life in particular was written in the first half of the 9th century. So, uh, according to the introduction page of this Life of St. Nicholas, this is roughly from 814 A.D. to 842 A.D. So, that's the time frame that we're looking at, and it was written by a Michael the Archimandrite. An interesting thing about this work, it provides most of like the legendary uh, sources for the life of St. Nicholas, and it has never been translated into English until 2014. Isn't that crazy? I believe that there were Dutch and German translations that have existed uh, since then, but in the English world, we haven't had access, direct access, to these stories. And so Sean and I will be talking about them. We've read them, and I'll probably attach the document to the show notes so you can read them yourselves. It's a little difficult to understand sometimes just because it's not in a clear, direct way that we speak today, this kind of a, this translation, but that's okay. We can still read it and we can still appreciate the saint uh, through these writings. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Sean. I hope you enjoy it. Sean, how are you now? Not so bad, and you? Good. How's Christmas? How's getting ready for Christmas? Oh, oh, that's not fun banter. That's not fun um, banter. No, no. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I've been uh, trying to live out the Phillips fast a little bit oh, okay. uh, with the minimal stuff. Um, this year was a hard year to organize getting, you know, meatless houses and and I've had to eat out quite a bit because I haven't had access to my own kitchen. Mm. So that's kind of made uh, life a little more complicated. But, um, but yeah, generally, um, average, how are you doing? I think this is the first year that I've bought everything online. Like, I don't think I've entered that Christmas prep. Yeah. Oh Lord. I'm I'm a materialist. I I have not even gotten one gift except for one. Oh, nice. No, I think that I've done my entire shopping without entering into a single store, which is lovely. Is it? I... For me, it is. Like well, the, I mean, at least you're not going to the mall. Yeah, no, I don't want to go to the mall. No. Yeah. No. It's terrible. It's I awful. just always am nervous that if I get something sent, it will wind up at my apartment and I'll not be there too. Oh, to get it. And then you have to yeah. go down to... Then you have to go down to the post office. Yeah. And there's like a whole thing. Then there's a whole thing. And they ask for ID. Yeah. And ugh, I have to go to the post business. office too much anyway. I hate it. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> so... We talk about getting ready for Christmas. We both read the life of St. Nicholas. The original life of St. Nicholas, written in the 800s by Michael the Archimandrite. And I wanted to know what your thoughts were when uh, with reading it. Where was it from again? Where is Michael from? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like just Constantinople. Maybe. But it, it could that's be... That's a good question. Yeah. We... When we did Nestor, we looked into the origin story of the story that we were reading, but I don't think we did that with this one. Not really. I did no. not, at least. No. Um, but the, uh, yeah, what did I think of while reading the story? 
Um, you and I were talking yesterday about how weird it is that it was only translated like five years ago. It's kind of nuts, but at the same time, the the beats of the story have been translated into iconography and just art. Western culture. Yeah, as Western like Anglo Canadians, we are used to Saint Nicholas being around, right? Yeah, like. Um, you know, for someone who has, we've known very little about, he's gained quite a lot of traction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. He was the patron of our, like our home patron growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, his feast day was one that we recognized in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in seminary, we recognized his feast day in particular ways too, depending on where we were. So in, okay. in America, it was a much bigger deal than it was in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you hear of the traditions from the Netherlands mm-hmm. and, uh, and, um, Italy and France and everyone has their own weird little mm-hmm. way of honoring St. Nicholas. So yeah, for someone who we don't, don't really know much about, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, um, I was looking in butlers and we, and we have all of those stories, uh, including, why don't we talk about the story about the the three girls? Okay. Because yep. that's kind of his entry. Like it does like the story begins with talking about how from a baby he was super holy and followed the monk's dietary restrict not restrictions, but Well nursing. Yeah, yeah. well nursing. Um, that he only ate at the appointed times on Wednesdays and Fridays. And and then his his parents were wealthy, they were rich and they left him money. And then why don't you take take on from here? Well, yeah, this, I think, if I'm remembering the chronology right, uh, this happens before he's made a bishop, right? Yes. He's a layman. He's just a point. layman. And he's come into money uh, through an inheritance. And his neighbor, who had been quite wealthy and had spent his money poorly, um, uh, I guess went into destitution. Mm-hmm. And he was planning to um, sell his daughters into prostitution. Because they had no dowry and couldn't get married. Um, and St. Nicholas's response to that is interesting because I remember reading it and thinking that's weird because he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't immediately deal with the whole problem. He does it in stages hmm. because he wants to see what the father is going to do with the first bag of money. At least uh, that's how I read it. I was like, well, why is he worrying about like, like, why doesn't he just throw, why doesn't he just all the throw money all, all the money in? Yes. Oop. Hold on. I'll yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Why doesn't <laughs> he just throw all the money in? Um, but I think it's because he wanted to see what was, you know, he was being mm. prudent about his generosity. Yeah. Um, on the other side, it was, it was a very complete gift because, you know, he, he was making sure that what, that they had everything that they needed and, uh, and in the, in, at the time when they needed it. It could so, also be Trinitarian symbolism, everything done in threes, and we're yeah. Eastern. And so it's like, we do everything in we threes. We do everything in threes. If he did it in one. It would be like... Oh. There'd be a heresy there. It'd sure. be heretical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. Um, but yeah, so I guess the what happens is that he drops a, a gold bag of coin or a bag of gold coins through the window uh, in the middle of the night and they don't see who, who drops them off. And then um, the one girl gets married off. Then the father is wondering what he should do about his second girl. So Nicholas drops... 
a bag of gold coins in the window at night and the father, um, and the father is able to marry the second girl off. And then he is wondering what to do about the third girl and the final girl. And, uh, and, um, so Nicholas drops the bag of coins, but the father has, has been planning to try and figure out who's been dropping coins into his house. And so he chases him down and tackles him. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it actually is clear in the literature that he, t- like he actually like chases his da- chases him down and tackles him. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and finds out that it's Nicholas. So his young neighbor. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, that's, I think that's the story that is the most prevalent about Nicholas. The one that we hear the most about, like in the last, like in the last 10 years, you hear a lot about him punching Arius and stuff like that. But I think mm-hmm. that's the traditional story yeah. that you hear about. I yeah. mean, there's the one that you like more, which we can talk about later. Um, that you see yes. more about, but in, even when you see pictures of Nicholas, he's holding bags of money, right? The tradition of dropping things through windows or down chimneys. Mm-hmm. Um, like even the fact that they are golden coins that you get at Christmas, mm-hmm. like, or like chocolate covered or chocolate, chocolate coins and gold tinfoil uh, yes. at Christmas, stuff like that. Um, probably can all be linked back to that oh, tradition. Yeah. You know what? I never thought about that. Um, because that that was one of the the typical candies that we would get are the chocolate coins and it's like well why coins yeah but and we never got them any other time of year yeah yeah that's true like not for your birthday or anything like that or not yeah. for Easter and they were always horrible chocolate well yeah they weren't I mean good as chocolate. a child as I a chocolate you didn't know or as a child you didn't know yeah no yeah like as a child I didn't have quite discerning taste between. It yeah. was like, if it was sugar. Just. I remember when I was like 15 starting to realize, like, wait a minute, this tastes like garbage. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I bought, um, I bought Peeps last Easter. Oh, why? I don't know. Because it was, <laughs> I had such nostalgia over oh. Peeps. And as a kid, I loved Peeps. And yeah. now you taste it and you can taste the chemical vat Ugh. that it was born out of. <laughs> the sludge that it cro- slid its belly oh. out of. Anyways, yeah, yeah, so... Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, he... That's kind of the story that we get about Nicholas. Yeah. And, and I think it, it plays into a lot of what we think about Nicholas and even, like, modern versions of Santa Claus and all of that jazz. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, it's curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, in the narrative, it talks about... Does it talk about how he became a bishop? Yeah. I think back. Yeah, it does. He was... Um, it was kind of okay. So I might have been uh, misremembering. The um, the bishop died of Myra. Mm-hmm. He died. The suffragan bishops get together to elect a new bishop of Myra. Mm-hmm. And God tells one oh, of them, yeah, one yeah. of them, that they're going to find a young man entering the church mm-hmm. at midnight. And that he would be their new bishop and his name would be Nicholas. And they had no idea who this was. And so one of them waited outside the church and at midnight, Nicholas entered and he, yeah, he went to the church and this bishop came up to him and said, Hey, I have something to show you. And then he brought him into the chamber hall and they crowned him bishop. <laughs> so I guess ordained him too. It was kind of like, it was a, it was a sneak attack. I, I love the early stories of 
like, isn't it Gregory and Basil, how they had to be dragged? Yep, Gregory... Gregory the Great or Gregory of Nazianzus? Nazianzus. Oh, okay. Gregory the Great had to be dragged kicking and screaming. Too, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I, I don't think there's a much much of that going on today. Well, I think now you can have a polite phone call. Yeah. <laughs> like, right? Like, We've gathered, that, gathering together is a really difficult feat. Yeah. <laughs> back in the day. But nowadays, nowadays, you know, from from the priests that I know, it's like, Getting a phone call and politely declining, and mm. and the nuncio being like, "Oh, okay, we'll look for someone else," mm-hmm. um, because I mean, who would want to be a bishop nowadays? I no, yeah, That's I mean, in true. those days, you could be killed for it. Yeah, nowadays, maybe not, but who would want to be? Right. Um, yeah, and I think it's also in, I think it's centering around his appointment. To becoming a bishop, where it talks about his his orthodoxy, yes, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, that's the like the thing that is interesting about Nicholas, and and this is probably one of the reasons why he is such a consistent saint that is venerated universally. Mm-hmm. Um, is that he alone or with very few others stood up for the orthodox faith mm-hmm. uh, during the time of the Arian crisis. But also that he was a man of great charity, kindness. He doesn't fall into the categories that I think we have thought of in the modern world. Yeah, we were talking about that yesterday where, you know, if someone is this type of Catholic, then they have this type of saints that they like. Yeah. If um, if you're more of a trad, you like Pius X. Yeah. Yeah. And neocons like Fulton Sheen. Neocons like Fulton Sheen. Um, <laughs> lefties like Romero or Paul the Sixth. Yeah. No, I don't know. Uh, maybe not Paul the Sixth, but lefties like Romero or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not that any of those saints are bad, but it's not necessarily a good thing for them to become so enmeshed with a particular ideology. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with Romero, and there's nothing wrong with Sheen or with. Mm-hmm. Uh, other saint that you mentioned first? Which saint that I, I can't remember? Uh, Pius X. Pius X. There we are. Yeah. Um, but with Nicholas, it's really hard to pin him down. Well, because I think he's so he's he's such an emblematic person who has really taken in the gospel. Well, and I think that's it. In all he's a saint. Yeah. And he and because his life because the spirit is the primary principle in his life, mm-hmm. he's not a social justice warrior, and he's not. Not just a social justice warrior. Mm -hmm. He's not just a um, a staunchly orthodox prelate, and he is not just you know a miracle worker raising children from you know pickling brine. Um, And like, there's all these things that that Nicholas um, that Nicholas is so much more than every incident or passion or feeling that he has, uh, or like incident in his life that we Mm -hmm. know about. Sorry, I'm not being clear. but yeah, Nicholas is is much more complicated because he's a great saint. Mm, because yes. he's actually yeah. a Christian. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's not to say that those other saints were not Christians, but that we can appropriate who they are in order to serve our own ideologies. That's, exact, that's exactly it, yeah. Yeah. To think that, you know, Pius X would walk around Rome kicking poor people would be absurd. <laughs> um and uh, and I am sure, I sincerely hope that Romero's theology was orthodox. 
Um, Let's hope so. But the uh, I don't know much about Romero. No. Um, but the uh, the thing is that for a saint, you need all of those things to fall into place. Yes. You need to love the poor. You need to love the truth. And you need to love... I think with Nicholas, the thing is that he loved justice. Yes. And he loved justice in that in, in that God was given his due and the poor were given their due and everyone who came to him was given what they were, what they were owed. Yeah. Um, and, and so he, uh, he had a different way of viewing the world than I think we do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's a story about him helping those sailors. Why don't you talk about that? Oh Yeah. So I think the sailors is actually how he ends up becoming associated with our cultures, like our more modern cultures. Because oh, I have okay. a feeling that in Northern Europe, like in the late Middle Ages, mm. the great seafaring cultures oh. were attracted to Nicholas. Right, That makes a lot of sense. Um, and so you've got like the Scandinavians, yeah. my family background, mm-hmm. um, the English, the yeah. I- like Irish, etc. There, there is a love on behalf of seafaring people for Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a, a, a love on behalf of Nicholas for seafaring people mm-hmm. uh, that has been evidenced a number of times through history. Um, but one of the, uh, one of the stories that, that is fairly common, and you see it in some art where it'll be like a ship with Nicholas standing in the sky over top the ship. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't seen that when I saw him standing on the waters. Yep, standing on the waters. Yeah. Or you've got one where he's standing on the shore. Mm, yeah, with like a ship kind of. Yeah. The, um, the uh, the Western iconography of Nicholas tends to be fairly constant in like it's either that or it's like the three coins or it's the yeah. children in brine that we have yet to talk about. Right. Um, but the uh, the story is that these men were sailing from one place to another. Okay, so the uh, the sailors got into a storm, and they I believe they were pagans, but oh well, they got there was something, but they got into a storm, and they sailors are just sailors, and there's a lot that, there's a lot of baggage. There. There's a lot of baggage with sailors. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> um, but the uh, so they got into a storm, and they remembered hearing of Nicholas, and so they prayed to Nicholas, who was living, who was living. Yeah. Um, to save them from, uh, from the shipwreck and from the sea. And so the, um, then they saw this man appear in the sky or on the water, and he calmed the water, mm-hmm. and then they got safely to port. Mm-hmm. And they went into the city and looked for this man, and they found Nicholas, despite the fact that he was the... Text says it looks like uh, he was dressed like any other priest, mm-hmm. so he wasn't wearing all the finery of the of the episcopate, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and he admonishes them. Yeah, yeah, that's the weird thing. <laughs> so again, modern bishops. This is a difference between a lot of them and Nicholas, um, most of them, and Nicholas. Um, these three sailors go to Nicholas, or four sailors, I can't remember. Well, it was probably three. Eastern. Eastern, um, right. But the, uh, these three sailors go to Nicholas, and he looks at him, and he's like, and essentially says, like, I'm glad you're safe, but now turn away from your sin. Mm. Turn away from your avarice and your sexual impurity and all of those things. Yep. And, um, and he made it a point to 
catechize them and, and to elevate them. Yeah. From the place in which, from the place in which they were. And there are many prelates and modern churchmen who write books and whatnot, who don't do that. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Who, who, um, again, it's, it's all about Nicholas being kind of the perfect Christian in the way that he has handed down to us. Yeah. Um, he, yes, he cares for the poor. He's merciful toward the sinner, but he also corrects the sinner and he, and he is prudent in his charity Mm -hmm. and he's, but at the same time as being prudent, he's overwhelmingly generous and giving everything away. Oh, absolutely. He's humble, but he is also, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's a tall order if anybody wants to emulate Absolutely. him. And you know what? I think that as we're talking about him, there was someone who he reminded me of when I was first reading about him and first reading about that story about the, the sailors being admonished. Yeah. And that's Andre Bessette. Yeah. Brother Bessette. He, Brother he's, Andre, he's yeah. often appropriated as this kind of, oh, everyone's welcome here. He's the doorman, right? No, he used like, to kick women out of his office for having ankle length skirts. Yeah, absolutely. Because they were inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like, he he was a grumpy, cantankerous old man. Absolutely. Like, they say that more people left his office crying and and eventually found out that they had a miracle once they got home and woke up the next day than people who were like, oh, he's so sweet. Yeah. Um, there was a playful side to Andre Bosset, but he was oh, not totally. a... Uh, he was not a... Um, he was not a nice person. Well, nice is according to how, how uh, in, in, in the sort of like in the sort know? of like like um, milk toast nice. Yeah, where you know you smile and and be like, "Hey, buddy, how's it going?" And like yeah. you know, everything's um, okay with you. Yeah, yeah, and so and, and so, he didn't desire to be liked, and and with Nicholas, he didn't desire to be liked. And the problem with these clerics and prelates that are that are acquiescing to a great many evils in our society mm-hmm. um, is that they like to be liked mm-hmm. by oh, the absolutely. world. They've forgotten, they've forgotten that they're, that they're not supposed to be of the world. And Nicholas is not that. Yeah. You know? And so it's, it's kind of dishonest of us, us being, you know, uh, 21st century Canadian Catholics to present, that's probably going to sound really good in the microphone, that poor. Oh, we're drinking tea. It's kind of dishonest of us to present Andre as someone who he wasn't. We see, oh, he was, he became saint welcoming, pe- welcoming people at, uh, at the, what's the church called again? I'm St. Joseph. St. Joseph's. Yeah. But it's, it's dishonest of us to present him in any other light than which he was, which he was, he was a challenging figure. Well, a, a saint will always be a challenging figure. Yeah. And, and that's kind of our difficulty. Anybody who wants to read the early life or the early writings about St. Kateri mm. would, be, would be shocked mm-hmm. and, and very, very um, challenged by the life that she chose to lead. Mm, absolutely. Um, the Canadian martyrs, oh, the yeah. uh, Dina Belanger, the things you, the things that you encounter in the saints are never, they're never as nice as kind of the children's stories tend to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the problem is I feel like with a lot of these saints, adults, meaning like our parents and our parents' parents' generation forgot that there was more than just children's stories to these people. Mm-hmm. Like Andre Bassett turns into this, you know, 
nice person, but he'd probably be spinning at the <laughs> sins that go on in the Canadian church as a whole. Oh, absolutely. Um, he definitely would be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you could say that of most of the saints, the things that they, the things that, that we kind of, uh, turn a blind eye to are things that would horrify mm-hmm. a man like Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even our kind of, our laissez faire approach to the importance of doctrinal orthodoxy, mm. um, and, and believing in, in, you know, proper Christology and the true creed. Mm. Um, Nicholas would be horrified mm. at just how yeah. casual we are about the most important things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that should challenge all of us. Well, it's kind of funny. There's that meme out there and I posted it today where it's a little kid sitting on a, on Santa's lap and the children said, the child says to him, Homo usius or homo usius? Yeah. And Santa's like, what? And he's like, oh, you're not the real Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's just, that's a little bit of inside baseball for getting that joke. Yeah. But, um, but at the same time, it's like, if we don't get it, we should probably look into and see why is it that I'm not getting this? Yeah. Well... The, the, uh, <laughs> we won't go into the whole Christological conflict around homo seus and no, homo not, seus Yeah, no. Um, one, uh, one, one letter makes all the difference, It right? does. Um, but the, uh, I think the thing to take away from Nicholas is, is just to be astounded by him. Like, there's a whole bunch of reasons mm-hmm. to be, to be, to find him a fascinating figure. So, like, we started talking about the story with the, with the young women, but Bill had alluded to the fact that there is, that, you know, we don't know much about him. Mm-hmm. Historically, his name is not included in the documents of the Nicene Council. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, as far as, like, actual historical evidence, I believe he was there. I think, you know, you believe he was there. Mm-hmm. That's not up here for debate. No. But like if his name wasn't included, he may not have been a most the most important of the bishops. Um that's true. you know, Myra may have been a, I thought Myra was an important see, but that's oh well. Um but somehow this bishop who you know who lived in the third century, third century, fourth century, mm-hmm. um ended up kind of spreading throughout the entire world with fame. Mm-hmm. And becoming, becoming kind of completely entwined with Christendom. Mm-hmm. Like there probably isn't a single place where the gospel has been advanced where Nicholas is not loved. That's true. Yeah, you know what? I, there, there are so many different cultural adaptations of uh, Nicholas's de- of devotion to Nicholas. Yeah. And I think that, that that is one reason for astonishment. Yeah. You know, there, there aren't many and people And this didn't happen on that. accident. Yeah, it, but like, it has to happen for a particular reason. I, and I don't think it's a particularly good PR campaign. You know, it, it must be that God loves St. Nicholas in a very special way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, because, you know, you've got, even on the iconostas, who are the required people on the iconostas? You've got of course, our Lord, mm-hmm. you've got the mother of God, yep. you've got St. John the Baptist, mm-hmm. and then you've got St. Nicholas. Mm-hmm. And everybody else just kind of may or may not need to be there. Yeah. Um, 
Which and sometimes is, you see John Chrysostom. Well, yeah, I mean, in our church, we have Josephat. Um, but you've always got... Mm-hmm. You've always got... You typically you know, always have Actually, I think even John the Baptist is not in the, not necessary. Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. I have no idea either, but I've seen them without him. But yeah. Almost, but back home, you see Nicholas more than John the Baptist. Interesting. But, uh, but yeah, so there must be a special friendship between Christ and Nicholas. Yeah. Um, okay, Bill, keep me from rambling. Okay, so <laughs> we can talk about... We, we alluded a couple times to the story of the, the more wonder-working... Um, healing pickle kids. pickle kids, and so how, as the story goes, and I think this this must be the origin of how he got roped up with um, the devotion from children. Maybe, maybe because this is the only yeah. real story that has little kids as 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 key players. Yeah. And so, as the legend goes, and this isn't, by the way, this this isn't one from the life of Saint Nicholas that we're we're attaching onto the show notes, but um, this is this is one of the many legends of Saint Nicholas where a butcher had killed three children by submerging them in brine, pickling them. His three children, in order to eat them later, because there was a famine. Oh, I, there's it was his three kids. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he was weird. Oh, okay. Weird butcher guy. Yeah. Anyways, so, and, and through, I'm just talking out of my ear right now. He, he, Nicholas finds out about this and he brings them back to life. Yeah, he wasn't happy about it. You know, I, as one ought not be. No. Uh, and so, and so I, I think that this is, this is probably the origin of where he's the patron of children. Yeah. Like the same way where the the nautical story was this uh, the origin of his patronage of, of of seafarers. Yeah, this is the one where he's he's shown bringing children back to life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you will see in many 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 Western icons. Mm-hmm. It looks a little bit weird because it looks like he's standing <laughs> beside three children in a bathtub. Yeah. Um, but the uh, but yeah, that's actually what that icon is of. Yeah, and we'll post it on our raising, Instagram page. The raising of those three children who who were in brine, yeah. which I mean is is one of those delightfully fanciful sort of saint stories that mm-hmm. um, you know can give rise to little jokes about whether they still smelled like pickles when they were resurrected. And, oh right. Um, well, Jesus kept his wounds. Exactly. It would only be fair that the children were remained st- pickled. Remained pickled. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. Imagine going through your entire life being pickled. Talk about Pickle Rick. Oh, yeah, exactly. There we go, yeah. It's, it's like, Pickle Rick. I'm Pickle Bill. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, those. It's, it's one of those stories we were talking last night. We're pretty sure that's from a Western canon, right? Like, that's not... You know, that's where my guess is, because in a lot of the, the, the iconography, we'll say, it's very... It's Western art. Yeah. Um, it's it's from a Western perspective, a uh, little bit of realism there. Oh. Sorry, iconography. We'll talk about that later. No, let's talk about it now. Okay, Nicholas mm. having punched Arius at the council, mm-hmm. and he was quote unquote defrocked according to the legend. Oh, I don't know. Um, and I, I didn't really want to spend much time with that story because that story kind of gets covered ad nauseum nowadays. Absolutely. Um, like. 
just like St. Nicholas didn't just, you know, give children candy and chocolate and gold mm. um, or resurrect pickled children, mm. uh, he also didn't just punch Arius in the face. Mm-hmm. He is a more complicated figure than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I feel like we are overutilizing that story just a little bit. Yeah, maybe. But the, what but, I want to I'm going to say if, if you're going to punch a heretic, it ought to be the arch heretic. Well, yeah, it has if, to be if, like, if, yeah, if you've got like Arius and Luther and that's pretty much, you know, you've yeah. got like, <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll have to ask Father Gregory of Cachetan punched. Oh, but the, um, the story is that when he was thrown in prison after this, because it was seen as actions unbecoming a bishop, um, and they took his pallium, which is his big white stole that a bishop would wear mm-hmm. or an archbishop would wear. And they took his mitre, um, and he was thrown in prison. And that night, the mother of God and Christ both came to him and delivered the mitre and the pallium back to him. So right after having taken his, his, uh, symbols of his office, thrown him in prison, locked the door the next morning, the bishops come and they find that he's got all of those symbols back, Mm. uh, because they'd been delivered to him by Christ himself. Um, and I think that that is, that to me speaks of, I don't know, was that actually in the book that we read? I don't think so. No. Okay. But that's why you see Nicholas with Jesus and Mary on either side, one holding a stole and the other oh. miter. Where's Nicholas? We oh, don't. Okay. Our, our icon of Nicholas doesn't include that. Um, but the. Uh, but I'll try to find it and post it on Instagram. Yeah, it's a good idea. The. Um, again, I think that speaks to kind of the special relationship that Nicholas has with Christ and with mm-hmm. the Mother of God. Yeah. Um, and so that's a, that's a thing that you'll see in iconography about him that makes him different from other saints. Um, Interesting. Yeah. All right. Anything else you had on your mind about the story of St. Nicholas? I guess the, um, my difficulty with Nicholas, and I was telling you last night about this, is that oftentimes we'll come around Nicholas's feast day and I will just, I'll read about him or you'll have it with like feasts like John Chrysostom or something like that. And I'll just get irritated by the fact that we don't have Nicholas's running around nowadays. Mm. You know, our, uh, our bishops need to be more like Nicholas. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, especially with the last couple of years that we've had, but really the last 20 years that we've had of the growing kind of, uh, awareness of very deep seated problems in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicholas is well known for having defended children for Mm. having protected young people, um, having risen the pickled children, um, and having defended the purity of the three young women, um, having, you know, properly admonished the young sailors, um, those sorts of things. And I think it would be wise, you know, as a simple lay person to, uh, to encourage bishops you know, for all of us to encourage bishops and pray for our bishops mm-hmm. so that they can be more like Nicholas mm-hmm. so that, uh, so that we can have bishops who will not only take care of the poor, um, and, uh, and you know, the underprivileged and, you know, the people who really need care. Oh, absolutely. Um, but who will also defend orthodoxy mm-hmm. and defend our Lord in, in his truth. 
um, who will also defend their flock and their people from predators who may be in their midst or, or elsewhere. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we should, we should be praying for our bishops that they become those saints, those types of men like Nicholas, because there is no reason why they couldn't and no reason why they shouldn't be and more like Nicholas. Absolutely. I think an important point is that when you have an office like that, your further sanctity is in the exercising of your office. Yeah. In part. And so it's not that you're going to ostracize yourself by doing so. You're going to become closer to Christ because Christ loves that which resembles him most. Exactly. So recognize the dignity of the episcopate. Mm-hmm. And then the glory that is that that kind of that peak of the sacraments, uh, um, and not to view it as kind of a boys' club, but as a way to get closer to Christ, mm. um, rather than getting closer to like other bishops or or particular conferences. Absolutely. Um, and and the closer you get to Christ, the more effective you'll be as a bishop. Um, the more effective you'll be in converting your diocese. Um, and again, there is no reason why you could not have the effect that Nicholas had. Absolutely. One last thing. Sorry. Okay. There's just so Absolutely. much in Nicholas that is worth talking about. One of the things we saw the uh, we saw a few weeks ago, the instances of Pachamama mm. and oh, all right. of that jazz. What did Nicholas do when he took control of the city of Myra? He went around and he smashed all of the temples. Hmm. He is responsible for destroying the great temple of Artemis. Yeah, the demon from the temple Artemis. I for, we yeah. forgot completely about... I, yeah, okay, go ahead. Um, Nicholas's love of orthodoxy uh, was accompanied by a defense of the little ones, by a defense of the faithful. Hmm. And so as a bishop, he could not tolerate that there would be people who would be put into danger by these sorts of evil spirits or by these... Uh, by these pagan cultures around him. Hmm. And so he went with kind of, um, with, uh, passion. Uh, he, he took a, he took a great kind of passion in the destroying of idols and the ripping down of pagan temples. Um, again, just, uh, it goes back to the type of saint that should make us feel uncomfortable. Hmm. We don't like that sort of talk now. Uh, and you know, if there was to be a bishop like Nicholas in the church now, there would probably be a lot of writer or a lot of articles in the register and the reporter about him. Hmm. But uh, but we we need bishops who are willing to defend the faith mm-hmm. and uh, and defend the well-being of people who could come into contact with evil spirits or with you know mm-hmm. uh, demonic entities. So that's cool too. We uh, yeah, awesome good. That's, that was a great cap yeah. to talking about St. Nicholas, a very unified, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of integrated person, integrated yeah. Christian, the, the integrated Christian. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you, Bill. Uh, we just have one last thing. Oh, yeah. I totally uh, Prairie forgot Icon about Houses that. has offered, uh, which is my... Remind people what Prairie Icon Houses are. Oh, I can tell people what Prairie Icon Houses are. Um, I, uh, I make wood carvings that uh, are meant to house icons or religious images, statues of your Roman or whatever. Um, and uh, we sell them at Prairie Icon Houses on Etsy. And that's all one word, Prairie Icon Houses. 
Uh, you can also find us on Instagram under that as well, Prairie Icon Houses, or on Facebook under Prairie Icon Houses. Um, and we are offering Bill's uh, listeners a 15% off I think it was 15. I think it was 15. Yeah. Uh, and the coupon code for that is, uh, I'll let you get your pens out, B-I-L-L-S-M-E-L-L-S. Bill's Mel's. Bill's Mel's. No. Bill's Smells, which is kind of true right now. It, yeah, very Yeah, I'm feeling so. a little salty. Um, no, so the uh, feel free to go over to you, the Etsy page and... Uh, use that co- coupon code Bill's Smells to get 15% Bill's off. Bill's Smells. Icon houses. Um, Prairie Icon houses. Yeah. Other than that, cool. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you.